1: published by american funds distributors inc
2: this is recode media with peter Kafka, and that is me and today we're talking about twitter you can guess why okay i'll tell you we're talking about twitter because a couple days ago elon musk said he wanted to buy it for 43 billion dollars but he didn't explain how he was going to do that and we still don't know but we have had enough time to digest the news so it's a good time to weigh in I talked to my old colleague, Kurt Wagner, who covers Twitter from Bloomberg, to get us up to speed on Elon's finances and why the richest man in the world needs help to buy Twitter. And most important, if there's any reason to believe that Twitter would be a better service or a better business if Elon Musk owned it. And then I talked to Derek Thompson from The Atlantic, who's one of my favorite writers and thinkers, and now a podcaster too, to help us understand how we got to this point, what memes have to do with all of this, and why some of the brightest and most powerful people in tech think that tech is somehow at risk and how all that connects to elon and twitter we will get there in a second but first i just wanted to say thanks again to many of you who are writing to me with comments and critiques about this podcast and also the column i'm writing at fox.com last week's episode of this podcast about disney and don't say gay seemed to strike some chords and or nerves with some of you Um, i appreciate all your commentary almost all of your commentary so keep it coming Okay. Enough of me talking. Here is me talking to Kurt Wagner from Bloomberg. I'm here with Kurt Wagner, who covers Twitter for a living at Bloomberg. Welcome, Kurt. And sorry.
3: Uh, yeah. Hi, Peter. It's never a dull moment. Obviously. I, I-
2: I enjoyed uh, making fun of you on Twitter on Thursday when you woke up uh, and found yourself like four hours behind the news cycle I, and learned yeah. that, that Elon Musk was trying to buy Twitter. I It's
3: rare that I'm that far behind, but uh, it was an alarming—I've done that a few times now. I also woke up similarly with Jack Dorsey having uh, already resigned, and yep. uh, that
2: that was fun, too. So It's rude of them not to give you a warning <laughs> that, that news will be happening at 4 a.m. your time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we're recording this the afternoon of Tuesday the 19th. It is possible that when you hear this, the entire world will have completely changed. But yeah. things have been kind of static since since uh, uh, Elon Musk said he wanted to buy Twitter for $43 billion last Thursday. Catch us up. Where, where are we? Um, sure. Can he buy it? Does he have the money? And if not, where is he going to get the money from?
3: So can he buy it? Um, short answer is sh- sure, right? I mean, he's the richest man in the world. He has access to money if he would want to sell some of his stake in Tesla uh, in particular. It's where a lot of his money is tied up in stock of, of Tesla, which is the other company he runs, obviously. But it's not quite that simple, right? It, obviously, uh, to get, I, I think you just said $43 billion, I think he owns... I think what I've read is that he would need about 40 billion dollars cash to actually make this happen. So getting 40 billion dollars cash even if you technically have it on, you know, in stock is not easy. You would have to either sell a bunch or borrow uh, a bunch and There um, are
2: limits to what he can borrow, the journal the yeah. reporting on that. And if you own if you sell a big chunk of your Tesla stock, um you depress the value of your exactly. Tesla stock and also it signals to the world that you know, maybe uh, the fact that you're already running two companies uh, and now want to own a third might might be a problem for Focus. So so it seems like he needs to get, he needs other people to help him buy this thing.
3: That's right. And and he was asked this. Uh, he had the most um, perfectly timed TED talk of all time. It was the same day that he had made the offer. And he was asked this explicitly, you know, do, do you have the money? Can you actually do this? And his answer pretty much summed it up. He was like, yeah, sure, I, I could do it if I really wanted to, right? Like, he, I don't think that he has uh, this money available clearly. Um, and so that's why you're seeing news now come out that, you know, there's uh, uh, private equity firms that are potentially looking to maybe mm-hmm. um, do this with him, right? I think there was news yesterday about Apollo uh, possibly getting involved. So the feeling is that even though he's made this bid to take it over exclusively himself, that he's probably going to need help.
2: So it is unusual to announce that you are um, offering to buy $43 billion worth of company and not have the money lined up. Um, Usually you have the money lined up the way these things work. And if you don't have it lined up, you have a very good sense of where that money's come from. We have been here before where he said he wanted to buy Tesla and did not have that financing lined up. So we have seen this movie before. Like you said, there are reports out that banks and PE firms are talking to him you know, I talked to someone who knows Apollo a little bit. And they're like, this is kind of early. Like, we're all going to look at it. Right. We're in the business of buying stakes in companies or financing uh, stakes in companies. Do you have any sense of, of, of if anyone is really looking at this seriously or if it's just a thing you do because that's your business and the richest man in the world says he wants to buy a company. So, of course, you're going to take a look.
3: I don't have any names that I can drop right now, but my sense is that. Everyone is looking at this at the moment. I think what Elon did by making such a public bid is he just immediately put Twitter on the block, right? And if you're the Twitter board and you don't want Elon to take over, which it, it seems like is the, the feeling given the poison pill that they enacted, then you have to be making calls to other people, right? Because you either reject Elon's offer and I, we can go down the, that road and, and figure out what happens if, that, if that's the case and that's what they go. Or you come back and say, well, we have a better offer in hand, right? Um, and I have to imagine that they are out, uh, you know, discussing that with people right now to see, is this $43 billion offer the only one on the table at the moment?
2: Right. the The reason that if you're the board, you would reject the offer is one, you'd say it's too low. We were, we, you know, you're offering to pay what fifty four dollars per share for our stock. It was worth seventy plus dollars a year ago, so it should at least be higher than that. And or you can say we actually don't think you're going to run the company well, and we're acting on behalf of sure. the entire company. Um, you know. Old timers who remember uh, Time Warner and Murdoch from a, not that long ago I remember that Rupert Murdoch offered to buy a Time Warner at one point, And Time Warner basically said no. And Murdoch said, really? And then he went away. And that was that. And Time Warner sold itself to ATT a couple years later. And Jeff Bukas will now tell you that he always thought that Murdoch's deal wasn't right and that he got a better deal for shareholders, et cetera. So there's just a version of this where Twitter says no, nothing else happens at least in the, the near future. Can we talk about who who an actual buyer for, for Twitter might be, either someone who's going to work with Elon Musk or someone who wants to buy it separately? Because it seems to me like it's actually a very narrow list of people who sure. could and would want to do this.
3: So I think if you're looking at someone who's going to work with Elon, I think it has to be a private equity type partner because you're not going to want uh, – Two cooks in the kitchen, right? And so I think if you're backing Elon, it's because you believe that he really does have this grand vision for what Twitter could be or how Mm -hmm. it could be better or whatever. And you're simply saying, we're going to bankroll your idea. Um, Alternatively, I think. You know, to me, the most logical buyer for a long time, I don't think this is necessarily gonna happen because of antitrust stuff is actually Google. I think Google makes a lot of sense. There's been a number of top Google executives that have been on Twitter's board over the years. Um, I think actually, the chairman, uh, or I guess Brett Taylor's the chairman right now, but the previous chairman, Omid Kordashtani, was a, a top Google guy. They have an advertising business. Twitter has an ad business.
2: One of their board members was Google's CFO. Patrick yeah. Rochette. I mean, they've
3: never they've never been able to crack kind of the social media thing, despite multiple attempts. So, like, and and a Google sense.
2: Twitter deal has been something people have discussed basically as long as That's right. Twitter has been around.
3: I think we were writing about this in 2015, 2016, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know because of regulation right now and and how tight all the big tech companies are um, in terms of what they can and can't do. It seems like that would be a stretch. But I do think that, you know, again, if we go the Elon route, I think we have to go with more of a silent, Mm -hmm. behind-the-scenes financer. And then if you go the other route, I don't think someone like a Google is going to say, yeah, sure, we're going to invest in Elon's Twitter, right? Like they're going to want to do it their own way.
2: In the more recent history, the two two companies that, that said they were serious at various points about acquiring Twitter were Disney and Salesforce. Yep. Seems like that's totally off the the map for Disney now. They spent their money in other ways, and they have yeah. plenty of else to worry about. Uh, any sense whether whether Mark Benioff, who likes headlines like buying things, would, that he'd make another run at Twitter? Uh,
3: I don't know. I mean, the whole point. Th- th- that whole idea was based on the idea of Twitter as sort of like a, a data play, right? Yeah, like, there's all yeah. this data. Um, wouldn't it be cool if we could find a better way to monetize it? It just – think of all that's happened since 2016, Peter, when that was the the narrative, right? Yeah. I mean, we've had the entire Trump saga since then. Like, I just don't see Twitter as being I, – I don't know if it's most valuable um, as sort of just like a data arm within I, I Salesforce. I never
2: – bought that. That was an early Twitter theory too. Like the data, it's the data. Yeah. Own. I mean, but sure. Twitter, there's Twitter, valuable data.
3: I just don't know if that's yeah, the value of But Twitter.
2: also, you know who has access to all that data? Twitter. And they are struggling <laughs> to, to make a really good business out of that. And that's yeah. I want to move the conversation to because, sure. because Elon Musk is rich enough and apparently has a mentality... Where he could conceivably spend $43 billion on something and not expect a financial return. He has said he doesn't care about the economics. Right. But everyone else, especially people who have the capacity to help him buy something, Um, And even if you, you know, there's a hand, maybe Mark Andreessen, maybe Peter Thiel, those people have billions of dollars themselves. They're not going to come up with $43 billion. So you end up with people who are going, who in theory would give him money to take the business private and they would expect him to make a better business that would throw off profits that they could pocket as dividends, or eventually that the thing would be back in a public market as a, as an improved public company. So how would that work? Again, at that same interview you mentioned, uh, Musk, doesn't, Musk didn't really express any idea of how we would run Twitter better. The main no. thing he seems to be concerned about is making it easier for for people to tweet without, without moderation. Has he said publicly or privately that he's got any better sense of how to run the company than it's currently being run? No,
3: not that I've seen. Um, I, the TED Talk that we mentioned earlier is where he said, I don't care about the economics. Obviously, if you are Someone trying to make um, a profit off of whatever deal comes about, uh, that's not super encouraging. Um, so let's set maybe the stage where Twitter is now. I mean, I assume all your listeners know the obvious, which is that they're an ads business, but they're a super underwhelming ads business when you compare them to a Google or a Facebook, right? And so there's always been this idea that Twitter has room to grow there mm-hmm. and that. Um, they are simply, you know, getting there a little bit later than some of these other companies. I think it's now been 15 years. So we can probably say that if that was the case, maybe let's, they would have got there by now.
2: Let's pause there just to underline. So, sure. uh, I wrote these numbers down and then I forgot, but Twitter did about $5 billion last year. That's a yeah. that's a big company for a lot of people, but you know, Facebook did like 117 billion. Uh, Google did more than that. Um, why and, and Twitter like barely eked out like five percent profit, which is like a very well run grocery store. Yeah, um, not a not a not a money <laughs> engine like like Facebook and Google are. So just explain why Twitter is an underwhelming advertising yeah. business.
3: Well, the whole idea historically has been that the most valuable ads are those that are super targeted, and those that are driving you to actually take action on something right now. Right, like hey. Um, click on this ad to, to go buy this shirt or click on this ad to go download this app.
2: That's the most valuable kind of advertising on the internet, right? That's now, right. Direct and response.
3: Google and Facebook are great at that, right? They have a ton of data. They have a ton of advertisers. So there's demand to, to Google. Bid up.
2: Google, you tell Google what you yeah, want. Yeah,
3: here's what I want. Uh, send me to the person I can buy this.
2: And Facebook has a ton of data about you and is very good at getting you to click on that thing and install an app or right. maybe buy a random thing from Instagram.
3: Now, Twitter is great at uh, what is known as brand advertising. Uh, the equivalent, the digital equivalent of driving by a billboard on the side of the road or maybe seeing, maybe a better version is, you know, seeing a television commercial um, that might vaguely, you know, relate to the, the show that you're watching. But really it's just like, Uh, you know, hey, we're trying to make you feel better about Coca-Cola, right? Mm -hmm. That is what Twitter does well. And the reason is because they're so events driven, right? You know, you tune into Twitter when you're watching the game or the Super Bowl or whatever, but also because they don't actually know as much about you as Google and Facebook does. So they can't really give you the granular stuff that those other services can. And as a result, they play in this field where the ads just aren't as valuable, right? Like you're, you're not driving a direct sale of something. You're maybe improving the brand affinity for whatever you're trying to promote. And,
2: and you're subscale. You're not yeah. nearly as big as Google or, exactly. or Facebook. And you know, there's you're competing with TV. Um, right. And TV, when someone buys an ad on TV, they generally know exactly where that ad is going to run and what kind of audience it's going to sit next to. And that's not the case with Twitter. Um, right. They have you know ongoing issues about brand safety, etc., which brings me my next question: If Elon Musk says I want to make I want to have less moderation, yep, at Twitter, uh, I want to make it easier. He doesn't say Donald Trump, but for Donald Trump and and people who think things that 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 maybe the left leaning management of Twitter doesn't like, I want to make it more amenable to them. Um, I guess one theory is that brings more users to Twitter, and then advertisers like that. But it seems to me that they all you're doing is you're heavily increasing the chances that you're going to make Twitter less less welcoming to advertisers, brand safe. I believe uh-huh. is the cliche Euphemism. term. Yeah. yeah,
3: I mean, well, th- there's two scenarios. One. You go that route, and yeah, maybe there's a bunch of people out there who are thinking, I would use Twitter, except for I don't feel like I can say what I really want. And and then they sign up, and voila, maybe user growth is great. There's another scenario where... There's a lot of people who get turned off by that and they including advertisers and they say, well we don't want to use this service anymore because now we have people you know saying racist stuff or whatever and so they leave and maybe the user base goes down or an advertiser says, well I can't keep running my ads if I don't know that they're gonna appear below you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, some tweet about misogyny so I don't know where that's gonna go but to your point, that's sort of the idea is like if we open this up, might this unlock this new audience of people who feel that they can't participate in Twitter today because it's too left-leaning or whatever? Um, and there are there's a group of people that think that's the case. I'm not sold on that. Otherwise, I think we'd probably be having a different conversation about Truth Social, yeah. right? Or Parler or any of these other services that have kind of marketed that way. None of them have really uh, made any type of uh, serious growth. And so as a result, I'm not necessarily sold that that's what people want.
2: And then there are two other theories that are kind of floated by by people, some of whom are smart people. Um, So I take them seriously, but I'm still questioning it. One is Twitter is bloated. It has too many people. You could cut costs. This is something we remember a lot from like the Yahoo decline era where people would say, well, Yahoo is still really valuable, but you know, the people there, you should cut the staff by half, et cetera. I saw a version of that AOL. Not not coincidentally, both those companies were then sold to Verizon and then sold to a PE company. And they're kind of a classic PE target. Um, So one is we could just make Twitter better just by firing a bunch of people and making sure the ones who work there are better than the ones who work there now. And or Elon Musk is a really, really good businessman. He built two world changing products and and, and a third, if you count PayPal, Um, he will do better than anyone who's run Twitter before, and the fact that it's a social media company and he's never run a social media company is not is not important because he's just super smart. Do either of those arguments track for you?
3: So the with the first one with layoffs, I mean, I don't know of anything coming, of course, but I think there's some real... Um I think that's a real possibility depending on who buys twitter it was a point of discussion they had in all hands last week with employees right after this must thing and there were a number of questions from employees about like what does this mean for my job what does this mean for my stock options so there's clearly people inside twitter who are thinking oh boy if this happens we might not have a job you know next month or next next week um so i i and I think there's probably some reality to that with all tech companies, quite frankly. I mean, you look at how big some of these tech companies are. Peter, you talk to these people as well. Like, Some of them are working really hard. Some of them are really enjoying the fact that they have a really nice, cushy, paid tech job, right? So like, is there room? I'm sure there's room to to trim that down.
2: If you in want to be amazed like, at something, go, go hang out near a Google uh, cafeteria one day and just watch the traffic in and out of that. It's yeah. astonishing that anyone can do any work because they're mostly eating – it and and then
3: so let's talk about Elon as a as a you know business genius right like can he come up with something better than the advertising business that Twitter has now run for a decade um i would you know i, I wouldn't take it off the table but i also would feel like it's not as if Twitter has been surrounded by by people who don't know anything about business or anything that they're doing. We talked earlier, I mean, their board has been full of very successful Google executives. Jack Dorsey, believe it or not, has built two companies, one of which Block uh, Square, now Block, is actually pretty successful from a business standpoint. And so there is this idea, I think, that um, they can't figure out what a better business for Twitter might be. And That's because maybe there isn't necessarily a great business uh, around Twitter besides advertising, which they haven't figured out. And so, uh, you know, we we can go into scenarios like we could talk about subscriptions. uh, We could talk about this idea of maybe leaning into the data business that they already Mm -hmm. have but don't necessarily. It's not very big. But I'm a little skeptical that, you know, Elon is suddenly going to show up in an industry that's been trying to figure out something besides advertising for years now and have a an idea that no one else has has already thought of. Um not saying it's impossible, but I don't really necessarily see that happening.
2: I mean, if you take his tweets at face value, which is not necessarily advisable, he's like it should have an edit button, maybe it should be easier to be verified or maybe there should be a subscription thing and hey, right. I noticed a bunch of uh p- people with big follower counts aren't tweeting that much and hey, there's a bunch of bots. Um and it kind of just sounds like what anyone who hangs out on Twitter and spends way too much time on it thinks about. It's not. These are product ideas. He's got deep insight. Yeah. But who knows? You you did mention Jack Dorsey. I want to leave it here. Again, we're recording this on Tuesday. Maybe things will be changed. But Jack Dorsey's been spending a lot of time on Twitter, tweeting Isn't about he? Twitter. I know. Um, he's he's um, He's tweeting about it almost as if he's never run the company. He's got complaints about um, things he wishes he could have done, but he was the CEO for a long time. He complains about the board. He complains about product decisions he made. Um so, on the one hand, it's kind of striking to see the former CEO, who is still on the board, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say, current uh, board member, still. So, in theory, unanimously voting for things like this poison pill. It'll yeah. make it harder for Elon Musk to, to take it over. Um, but also, I'm just wondering, like, is there a version of the world where Elon gets, and he and Jack Dorsey have been public about their bromance for each other, or yeah, admiration for each other. Is there a version where, where Jack Dorsey somehow gets involved in the Elon-owned version of Twitter?
3: I would say yes. Uh, I don't know that you know I don't know anything about that, but for all the reasons you just said, um, he he clearly has opinions. Um, he clearly so there's there's what I'm confused about is he's saying like hey I would I, w- I would also get rid of the like button. I would also get rid of the re- retweet button. Would't it be great if we had public algorithms that everyone could see? And mm-hmm. the responses to those things are like, gee, Would have been interesting if the person running Twitter for the last six years had implemented those things, right? And so on the one hand, he clearly has ideas for where he wants us to go um, that either he refused to do or maybe felt he couldn't do when he was CEO. My guess is he felt he couldn't do them because he was running a publicly traded business and he knew that getting rid of the retweet button would kill Uh, You know the virality of the service, it would kill engagement on the service, that type of stuff. So then you say, well, is his his pal Elon going to take Twitter private? Well, suddenly the pressures of running a public company are no longer there. Maybe Jack could come back. Uh, He's come back three times uh, already to this company. So I'm not taking it off the table. I don't see him coming back um, as long as Twitter has the incentive structure of, you know, we have to Appease shareholders. Um, I just think he's over that. But okay. I think if he had a chance to run it in a way where there was no pressure on that front for the to to build a massive business, I could I could see him wanting to be involved again.
2: This is a wild story. It's obviously not over. Um, I could talk about it for hours. I'm also a little wary yeah. of talking about it for hours, just because so much of it is either pretend or 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 theoretical right now and is obviously going to change. So we'll have you back on. We'll talk more about Please. it. Please. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Kurt. In a minute, we're going to hear from Derek Thompson from The Atlantic. But first, a word from a sponsor.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Derek Thompson writes for the Atlantic. He podcasts for the Ringer. That excellent podcast, by the way, is called Plain English. Welcome, Derek. Great to be here, Peter. Thank you. I wanted to have, uh, I wanted to tap into your big brain to talk about uh, the Twitter deal, non-deal. I wanted to talk to you about some some themes because you're you're good on themes. And my first big question for you is, how, how do we get here? Elon Musk is the world's richest man, so you have to take him seriously. But he's also someone who, by his own admission, tweets from the toilet and says he's gonna do things like take Tesla private, then doesn't. How do we get to a point where where a person who's both serious but also not serious should be taken seriously when he says he wants to buy Twitter for $43 billion?
4: It is exactly what you said. He is a serious person who should be taken seriously but also not seriously at the exact same time because he is, I wasn't gonna say tweets in the toilet, I was gonna say is a shit poster, but I suppose those things are actually synonyms. He is someone who like, is simultaneously one of the smartest people in the world, one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world, one of the great hardware geniuses of our time, engineering geniuses of our time and is also like basically a prankster is is basically uh, this sort of fascinating inner manchild online and so when he says things like I'm going to take Tesla private from most people that means we're going to take Test the private. But from Elon Musk, it means, who knows, maybe he's just having a little bit of a, of a prankish morning. And I think it's the exact same situation here. It's not particularly clear that Elon Musk has thought this all the way out. It's not clear that he has secured the financing for taking over Twitter for $43 billion. It's not entirely clear that he has a specific strategy for what to do with Twitter once he takes it private for $43 billion. This is an advertising business. And he isn't particularly interested in the advertising aspect of this business. So I, both sides of this, the the financing and the strategy are, are entirely murky. And instead, we are essentially reading into Elon's big brain a grand strategy that might not
2: actually exist or ever materialize. And I, I have advised against taking Elon at his word, but for what it's worth, in the document to the SEC announcing he was going to do this, his text says something effective. I've been thinking this over for several days and I decided I should buy Twitter. And I don't know, I guess you can make quicker, faster, more more important decisions., um, but that seems awfully quick to to come to that conclusion, yeah, I, but if you, if you're a shit
4: poster thinking or or if you're essentially uh, your your business strategy is is tweeting, then thinking about something for several days is actually several orders of magnitude longer than the typical tweet. So from his standpoint, the strategy has actually been, incubating for, for quite some time. But I, I do think it's important. It's, it's important, but also very difficult, I think, to disentangle the fact this is, I think, I, look for people who share my politics left of center, I am much more pro Elon Musk in terms of my having great faith in his capacities as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as an extraordinary inventor. But at the same time, I have absolutely no faith that he understands what to do with Twitter, that he has a plan for Twitter, or that his plan for Twitter would work even if he did uh, succeed in acquiring the company.
2: It strikes me that this is a very, very 2022 uh, kind of deal in terms of internet culture. We're, We're only a year past the GameStop saga, where a bunch of dudes I assume mostly dudes on Reddit decided and Discord decided to be fun and maybe profitable to bid up uh, the stock of a of a failing uh, video game retailer, and largely succeeded to to some degree for some amount of time purely kind of based on social media and and inscrutable tweets and they sort of manifested a reality out of the internet you know this whole idea that you know things on the internet aren't real they kind of made it real at least temporarily and it strikes me that some version of Elon is that as well he has he runs real companies he makes spaceships and electric cars um but his overall wealth and and notoriety um, I think are on top of that or adjacent to that um you know I'm not even going to bar- argue the merits of Tesla's valuation but for for a note here it's got a PE ratio of 200 which is bananas. Toyota's like a 10. The technical word is a lot, yes. And, And so, by the way, the fact that he is the richest man in the world today may not be the case at some point down the world. Stocks do go down. But it seems like he has sort of created himself in large part through the internet. Does that seem right to you? I think that's a very good way of putting it. The the sort of jokey
4: way of putting it is that he's trying to own the memes of distribution, right? That he is an extraordinary memer. He's an extraordinary storyteller on top of being a very talented engineer who understands the first principles of the businesses that he enters. And there is a meme circle of life vibe to this story that after using memes in order to drive up the market cap of Tesla, he is now trying to acquire the portal through which he distributes his most successful memes, which is Twitter. I think this gets to one of the great paradoxes of Twitter, and you could also call it one of the great paradoxes of of Reddit, which is the the Petri dish uh, that gave us the GameStop saga, that these are historic products and also not particularly good businesses. They are the straw that stir the drink of discourse. But it turns out that that straw doesn't throw off a whole lot of profit, that the straw that stirs the drink of discourse is not a particularly good business. Uh, Twitter, no matter how you cut it, is not a very uh, good business. I was just doing a little bit of researching and reading this morning uh, from Ben Thompson, uh, no relation to me except just being someone who I read and like. Uh, reported the company has lost a cumulative $861 million in its lifetime as a public company. It is at 33 earnings calls, and it has only reported a profit in 14 of those earnings calls. Twitter is an unbelievably important contributor to news discourse, perhaps one of the most important products in the informational landscape that we have but it's also an awful business just like reddit is potentially very significant and very influential for uh, meme stock investing but it's also itself not a particularly fantastic business. And maybe this is just the sort of paradox of information portals that we have to get used to, that there are some companies like Instagram and Facebook that seem to be in the same business as Twitter and Reddit that are really sensational businesses, whatever you think of Mark Zuckerberg or Meta, really fantastically profitable businesses. They are
2: money machines. They churn out hundreds of millions of dollars in profit, in real profit every quarter.
4: Right. And Twitter turn, turns out memes. And those memes change culture. Those memes change news. Those memes drive the world and create micro revolutions that change and influence the way that we live, but that doesn't make them very good businesses. So I'm very curious to know, and I haven't really heard a great answer to the question of what exactly would Elon do to you know, acquire this company for forty-three billion, take it private, and then turn it into well, what? His own private meme factory? Fine, but that's a very expensive private meme factory.
2: Yeah, I mean, again caveats about taking him at his word. Last week, he went on a, at the TED conference, had an interview said, I'm not interested in the economics of this, which <laughs> should be a flag for anyone who's looking at investing with him. But also, you know, I think he probably hasn't. Um, But why do you think he, if we take him at his word and that he does want to buy Twitter, and this is a real thing, and we're, by the way, we're recording this on April 19th, Um, That means tomorrow is 4.20. So if this is an all elaborate pot joke, which is not out of the realm, we may have to go have another podcast. Uh, We'll see. But but if we take him at his word that he does want to buy Twitter, why do you think Twitter is important to Elon Musk, who, by the way, is very good at Twitter? He already has maximized the value that Twitter can give him personally. What do you think is important to him?
4: There's a couple of reasons that I can imagine. One is that Elon Musk really likes tweeting. And one thing that you can do when you're rich, one thing you can do when your net worth is say $243 billion more than any human being in the world is that you can buy that which you value, right? If I had $2,243 billion, I might buy a lot of Cy Twombly paintings. I really like the artist Cy Twombly who paints in scribbles Mm -hmm. and I think his... Paintings are really beautiful. I might try to buy a lot of those. I, in a way, there's a, you know, I, I don't mean to be glib here, but there's a possibility that Elon Musk is simply trying to acquire that which he loves the same way that lots of rich people acquire that which they love, whether it's a yacht or a painting or a, you know, sports, average team. Egg. sports, sports team, there you go. Um, number two is that Elon Musk sees this as a really important uh, cultural product that he thinks Twitter is sincerely failing to maximize. Um, maybe he's entirely sincere. Maybe the, behind the shit shitposting, um, the facade of shit posting. Uh, there is actually a, a solid core of sincerity that Elon Musk really feels that Twitter is failing a duty to re- remove some of the strictures it has that, that uh, uh, constrict the bounds of public conversation that if unconstricted could yield greater human flourishing. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking grandiosely here because I'm trying to mimic the way that he might think about it, but he might sincerely believe
2: there but are too many constraints on Twitter. It's an important, like his words, it's important for the globe that we have this free speech platform and leaving aside a debate about who's, what free speech means and who should be in charge of it. He, it's, a, it's something he has said repeatedly. Um, there are like-minded, very rich people in tech who have big platforms, and, uh, and, and Peter Thiel says this to some degree. Mark Andreessen, uh, famous investor, early investor in Facebook, um, active tweeter now, um, seem to believe that there is. They be, they seem to believe something that you, we were hearing cynically out of conservative politics for a. The last few years, which is there is a Silicon Valley conspiracy run by leftists to suppress speech they don't like to work on behalf of the government or the establishment or the Dems or whatever. And, you know, for a couple of years, the 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 smart take on that argument was to ignore it, to roll your eyes, say this is one. It's not true two you guys don't even believe this. This is just something to troll your base. Mark Andreessen and Elon Musk are smart. They certainly understand technology. Why do you think they think there is a vast left-wing conspiracy or something else that is bad happening in tech that they must fix?
4: It's a great question. Uh, Sometimes... What I try to do with, with questions like this is try to break it down into like, what is the evidence, what is true, and then what's like an interpretation you can layer on that. So what's true is that in what you could call mainstream media, say New York Times media, CNN media, there have been in the last decade a lot of exposés of tech culture. And it is reasonable, I think, or it is at least understandable for some people who run companies in Silicon Valley and the broader Silicon Valley tech culture to think that mainstream media is anti-tech. I think there's a lot of frustration with perceived anti-tech bias in the news that they think that we, the broader news media, you, me, our friends at The Times, are just like a coalition of anti-progress word cells, right? Like we don't understand how to fix the world, we don't understand how progress works, and we just want to stand athwart tech history yelling, stop, yelling, bad, yelling, you're canceled, you're just a bunch
2: of old, rich, white men destroying the world. Because we can't code, so this is our way of, of contributing.
4: Exactly. I think, I think they're frustrated with that. And uh, my interpretation is, uh, again, it is real that there are a lot of uh, tech exposés in the news. The perception is that uh, we are uh, uh, catastrophically biased against the progress that is necessary to improve the world. And as a result, they are trying to build a kind of um, parallel infrastructure of news right Andreessen horowitz is trying to create its own media uh, mark Andreessen um is and and lots of other people i know uh balaji srinivasan are, are directly interested in promoting substacks because they believe that if you know independent uh non-corporate let's call it media uh, grows enough of a spine, develops enough as like an organism, it can it can push back against you and me and our friends.
2: It's a big part of the Web3 slash blockchain ideology that this is the way you have true intellectual freedom is that you don't have gatekeepers and everything's on the chain and you can do what you want and you can't be taken off a platform. You, uh, Amazon won't take away your servers um, because you did something that they don't like, um, that it all just goes out there. And they seem to some of them seem to believe that very seriously,
4: yes, I think they do believe it seriously. and I, I want you know listeners to know that I'm trying to re- fairly represent an argument rather than suggest mm-hmm. that I strongly agree with it. Um, and I think that, you know, if, if, if I'm Mark Andreessen, if I'm, you know, whatever, Peter Thiel or, or uh, another uh, extremely rich, very successful tech billionaire, and all of my group chats are talking about how terrible The Washington Post, New York Times, Atlantic, Fox, etc. are, then I would be interested, given how important media and culture is, in building alternatives, or at least in unconstricting the pipes of Twitter and allowing uh, anti-corporate media voices to flourish. So I do think that that is a driving motivation here. The last driving motivation that I would point to might just be, you know, if you're Elon Musk, um, you made your first billion with essentially PayPal, right? Uh, with, With software, with payment software. You made your next 242 billion, Uh, With hardware, with Tesla and SpaceX and uh, uh, batteries, and you're working on Neuralink and the Boring Company and a bunch of these these hardware problems. Okay, so you've solved the software problems. You're solving hardware problems. What's left? Uh, There's there's chips, there's atoms, and then there are cells, right? The human problem, that's social media. How do you solve for the perceived problems of social media? Maybe he thinks this is his next great challenge um, as, as the tech impresario of the 21st century.
2: It's related to something else I wanted to ask you, which is I have a different take on sort of how they view Twitter, which is even though they think it's important, they seem to view it with great disdain. I think that it's an easy problem to solve and sometimes stated and sometimes unstated is you guys are building photo sharing and and tweet distribution services and that's cute and important and good for you but Elon Musk builds spaceships he sends Mm -hmm. things into space he created the electric car industry he's moving us towards a better a better climate um he does real science real hard things I think you were tweeting about this right atoms Mm -hmm. atoms are are really hard and 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 sort of I said and left unsaid sometimes is it'd be trivially easy for someone with a big brain like that to fix Twitter, because it's just social media.
4: Right. And I could imagine that one thing that would happen if indeed Elon Musk has acquired Twitter, takes it private and struggles with it or takes a lot of incoming heat, is that the, the theme of 21st century tech will shift from uh, bits are easy, but atoms are hard to bits are easy, atoms are harder, but human nature is impossible that everyone who tries to run a social media company, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or whoever else, will essentially be seen as flailing uh, against the hydra of human nature. That, that's one possibility. Another sort of interesting take that I saw that I think is, is totally valid is that um, it's sort of, uh, you know, Peter Thiel's uh, motto for Founders Fund, his VC, and also his sort of motto for life is that we were promised flying cars and we got 140, 280 characters. Ironic then, that you have now sort of a, a horseshoe theory of that, that the person who is most responsible for inventing the car of the future, the EV, the, the electronic vehicle with Tesla, Elon Musk, is now trying to acquire Twitter. So we're going from uh, uh, the, the car of the future back to 280 characters. Um, but there's a, it's just a very interesting, I think, sort of uh, uh, sort of next, next stage of, of, of tech narrative that could be introduced if Elon Musk does acquire this company and, and, and tries his best to run it.
2: I mean, by the way, the the overvaluing Twitter and thinking Twitter is easy to fix is something many, many people – Uh, have done for a long time, uh, including most of the people in your mind chattering classes, right? Like we pay way too much attention to Twitter because we use it. We think it's much more important than it is because we use it. It seems relatively simple because you just type something and it goes up. Uh, So it's not like, I don't know how to make a spaceship, but I'd certainly have product ideas for Twitter. (laughs) Um, So, but it's funny to see that that's, that 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 poll is seemingly as attractive to Elon Musk as it is to regular typers like you and me. I'm not gonna ask you to predict whether Elon Musk is going to successfully buy Twitter. If he owned Twitter, do you think he could make it a better product?
4: Uh, No, I I don't think he could make it a better product, in part because I think that the kind of Twitter that a a large and extremely loud, potentially minority, potentially majority, uh, share of power users use is not necessarily the Twitter that Elon Musk wants to build, right? He is interested, I think, like I said, in taking down a lot of the guardrails uh, that Jack Dorsey um, and the current crop of of Twitter leadership have put up to say, you know, limit abuse or limit what is seen as maybe right-wing disinformation, maybe sometimes left-wing disinformation. And I think that any attempt to uh, deconstruct uh, those guardrails is going to lead to a lot of chaos and a lot of chaos that uh, major Twitter users are going to object to loudly. So to the extent that that makes for a better Twitter, more people on my timeline complaining about Twitter, no, that's, that's, that's not the Twitter that I want. The Twitter that, that I want, unfortunately, is, is a Twitter that requires for me as a power user an enormous amount of, of forethought, uh, blocking lots of people, uh, following and unfollowing people that I don't think are helpful. It, it, it takes a lot of curation. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, maybe to the extent that Twitter can be fixed, it should probably be something a little bit closer to a subscription product, because people like me are such power users. It yeah. is so important to my life that, of course, I would pay X dollars a month, X dollars a year to use it. It, it is not just practically a newspaper for me. It is the combination of every newspaper to me. It is my, it is my homepage for news. Um, but for most people, it's, it's not, it, it isn't that. It, it, is, it is more of a casual source of news, which for them essentially makes it an inferior advertising product to Instagram and Facebook.
2: All I know is my kid and I had an argument this weekend, and at some point he grabbed my phone and then handed it back to me and said, I deleted Twitter from your phone, so maybe you won't be such a jerk anymore. And I thought, <laughs> all right, you kind of got Wise a point. <laughs> yeah, I, I put it right back on when he wasn't looking. Uh, Derek Thompson, I'm glad you joined me. You are a good person, uh, you are a good writer. You can read your stuff at The Atlantic. You are an excellent podcaster. You can listen to your podcast distributed by The Ringer. It's called Plain English. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Peter. Thanks again to Derek. Thanks again to Kurt Wagner. Thanks again to Jelani and Travis, who produce and edit this show. Our sponsors, who let you hear this show for free. And to you guys for listening to this show, this is Recode Media. We've got a really good one. They're all good, but we really have a good conversation for you next week. I've taped it. I'm very excited about it. I think you will like it, too. See you then.